And we are back with another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. I am your humble host, uh, Cody Cannot Gleek Beekman. I am also joined here by Roll of the Dice, Bryce McMillan. How's it going, guys? Good and, to see you. And I've got Daniel straight from the TDBD. Oh, and still dripping. And still dripping all the time. <laughs> and then I've got Roscar Mormeyer Wiener over oh, here. Oh, wow. And no, and that's a lie. You gleaked the other day. I, I didn't I didn't mean to, though. I know. <laughs> I can't actually do it on, on command. So I, you, I'm, I'm going to say. You peaked. Uh, yeah, I, I gleek peaked. <laughs> uh, the, the beak. Gleek peaked. Uh, wow, try, try to say that three times fast. Yeah, I'd say so. Jesus. Uh, so, all right, we're already off to a good start. This is episode thirty-three, and we have got a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, we're we're gonna try our hands at um, a movie review. What? Oh. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to get down on some Siskel and Ebert. We're gonna talk about the winners and losers of the free agency. And, Losers. We, and we've got the reverse retro jerseys to talk about as well. Ooh. So we're going to get right into it with Hockey Day in History. I'm going to go uh, to my left. Ross, start us off there, bud. I will. Um, and October 22nd, 1980, rookie defenseman Paul Coffey scored his first NHL goal in an Oilers five to three win over the Calgary Flames in Edmonton. Oh, I mean, first the many for coffee. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, that guy had like an insane amount of assists the years that he was winning Norris trophies because he was setting up Messier, Gretzky, Curry, Lowe, oh, all yeah. those guys at once. I think one year he had like. 162 points or something uh, yeah. in that range. I don't think you're just far like, off. What the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> For a defenseman. Too. Yeah, and you're it, like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. Gretzky. Oh, yeah. The, but Paul Coffey was crazy fast, too. Yeah. Remember, like, early uh, video games like NHL 94 and stuff? Like, and we got to do an episode about video games for sure. Oh, heck point. yeah. Oh, that's, but I think like, that's that guy was, like, so fast. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Daniel, um, you've got the you've got the table. That was a good one, Ross. Yeah, Anytime really you mentioned Paul Coffee. Oh, I love Paul Coffee, man. All right, so I'm taking us way way back. We're going to 1965, and we're looking at the date October 20th, and we're talking about Mr. Hockey oh. once again, and he scored two goals on this day in an All Star game. All-Star game in October? What? What? (laughs) Well, guys, this was the last All-Star game that they did before they switched the format to East First West during the season. This was an All-Star team that played an exhibition game before the season started against the last year's Stanley Cup champion. I think yeah. I remember reading okay. something about it. All right. That. So in 1965, it was Gordie Howe leading the NHL All-Stars to a 5-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens in the Forum in the 19th and last preseason NHL All-Star game. My goodness. I mean, just think Yeah, right? Just think about all of the in, like the incredible hockey history that was literally just like said in that sentence. I mean, just I mean the names, the places, 
the teams. I mean, it's just that's the just roster. That's just like that's hockey greatness right there. The Forum, Gordie Howe, Montreal Canadiens, beautiful. And on both sides too, Bryce. Yeah, I mean, God, you have so many Hall of Famers and just guys who paved the way for this great game that we all love. Yeah, back then too, it was uh, very different because of that format. Because you had guys on the All Star team that were clearly still brewing from not winning the cup oh, yeah. just at the end of last season, and so it was a little bit different feeling on the line because the Canadians or whoever won feels like they justifiably won. It's like you want to now put an all-star team against the champions? Okay, bring it on. Yeah, let's just build even more animosity after losing the cup. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And so it's cool that the league has changed and fans are allowed to vote on who goes and players have more rights to be able to opt out for reasons that they want. So let's just admire the game for the history that it gave us back then oh yeah do you remember the one year or well, all you guys that uh what is it that they did the draft sure. oh, yeah, oh yeah where uh, uh, they had team captains and they drafted <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, players no, they drafted players and it was either your red or blue yeah it was uh i wasn't that the john's uh the first uh three on three all-star or was that uh, that might have been a different time then i can't remember if when they did this team thing, they also went straight to three-on-three three at the same time. I, I don't know. It might have been in top. I don't know. Like, but I do remember Phil Kessel being picked last, wasn't he? Yes, <laughs> I was laughing so hard about that. I was, yep. I, oh, my God. I was, uh, I was cracking up about that. Kessel. Big boy. Oh, all right, Bryce. Yeah, keep us rolling here, bud. All right, so check it out. It was, you know, obviously way before the Nordiques became the Avalanche, but, you know, it was October 21st, 1982. Uh, the Quebecs Marion Stastny and scored his first career hat trick and added an assist, and Anton Stastny had a goal in four assists as the Nordiques won 8-4 to four over the visiting Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, yeah, back then with those three Stastny brothers, it was it was like almost... It was kind of like unbelievable if a Stastny wasn't on the score sheet at some point right. in any of those games. I mean, not to mention they were three brothers that just knew exactly where they were. Talk about like Paul Stastny, who even was even on the Avalanche too. Not to say that you know, anyway, this is going to be like, oh my gosh, what a crazy fact. But you know, you look at the history; it's all been like Nordiques or Avalanche. Kind of the Stastny's name is kind of ironic, I think. Oh, they're synonymous yeah. with you know the Quebec and Colorado uh, franchises, mm-hmm. which uh, we may have some uh, interesting things to say about that when we get to the retro uh, jerseys. Truth, exactly. So uh, I'm going to round this one off. October 24th, 1945, the NHL made the earliest season schedule start in NHL league history going back to 1917. And Chicago's Red Hamill scored two unassisted goals in the final seven minutes to give the Blackhawks a 5-4 to four win at the Boston Garden. That sounds like the Gavin. exact name that would be in the '60s, Red Hamill. I know, yeah, I, uh, that is that. You know, uh, some yeah, some names are like totally synonymous with like generations. Red Hamill, that just sounds like 1960s. Yeah. I'm thinking Red Kelly. I'm thinking Ted Lindsay. All these names. <laughs> and, I mean, and, and I mean, like you, like Toe Blake. Right. You know, Milt, Milt, Milton, Milton's a 1950s name. Like no, no doubt, Milt. 
or so Newton. Good. Newton. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so I, I mean, those were some pretty good uh, hockey days in history, boys. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's move on. I mean, uh, this past week uh, after. After all that said and done with the NHL finals and everything, Doc Emmerich, Mike Doc Emmerich, retires after a 47-year career broadcasting professional hockey, including the last 15 as the lead play-by-play and voice for the NHL on NBC. 47 years of broadcasting hockey. That is insane. He's seen so much shit. Well, I mean, uh, that's the thing is that like uh, you know a lot of uh, American uh, American you know watchers are they only know Doc Emmerich you know yeah I mean uh, how many times like who else who else could you really say that he you were he uh, that they were the voice of you know the ho- hockey playoffs the uh, the All Star games the Olympics even some of the World Championships he he is that voice for American watchers. You know. to New Year's Day, you think of the Winter Classic. He's always going to be the guy on the side of the ring giving you, you know, real live, like I'm behind the glass, updates about the game. But when he is with the crowd, he's one of those guys that was really with the crowd. His voice is amplify, And even when you're watching the game, you'd almost kind of feel like you're sitting in front of the TV. But you're really at the game with them, though. So when he's talking like that, you know, you're like, wow, I'm really at the game. He gets everybody really excited, I thought. So... And I like the wordplay that he does with like, while he's announcing. Well, you, he's got some great ones. Yeah, he was oh, never. Yeah. He it's was actually never... great. Fuck! It's episode thirty-three. <laughs> yeah, thirty-three. Yeah. <laughs> he would do that all the time. Three oh. seconds and two. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, the man, and I mean, his play-by-play skills were uh, really matched to hardly any. I mean, obviously, you got guys like John Forslund. Who are huge uh, that are incredible uh, play-by-play, you know, commenta- commentators. And um, I mean, honestly, with Doc, it was it was so easy to just even close your eyes, and not even watch the game. You still pretty much knew exactly what was going on. And I mean, it's not. Yeah. And I mean, with his career, I mean, he hasn't. He wasn't. Ju- he hasn't just done hockey. He he's done NFL. He's even done uh, you know uh, uh, national cross league all star games. I mean, he's uh, the man. The man is good at what he does, and I mean, I'm not surprised that he's had such a long, uh, long career. And I mean, I'll tell you what, it's good. It's definitely going to be different next year. You know, watching NHL on BC. You know, Wednesday rivalry night without you know Doc. Oh yeah, and go ahead, Ross. No, my question is, are they going to change his name, like his voice up for Chell? Oh yeah, EA Sports. Yeah. Well, the, that's the thing is that I guess he is still going to be like contributing to NBC and stuff like that on on like uh, blogs. I think I might have saw and you know some other kind of things. But you know, I mean, uh, with the Chell, that's that's a good question. Uh, they know, already have. You know, they, well, I play already, the game enough that they do change it up. Sadly, he's not on there anymore. But I mean, too bad he's not. Well, yeah, I mean, the last how many how many chels have there been with dog in it? Oh, Countless. Yeah. I can't even count on two hands. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a part of what shows his effect on the game is video games are to try to make you feel like you're in an immersive experience. And what better way than trying to replicate some of the more authentic names and voices in the sport and 
kudos Cody for bringing up what he does outside of hockey because yeah, he's really good as a broadcaster. Oh yeah, and um, I think he we were privileged to have him in hockey for so long, like forty seven years. Yeah, you know I'm not going to date myself, but I, I I there's a lot of people that are forty seven or younger that it, haven't heard another great voice like this, and he'll be around. He'll his his sound bites are iconic too just like al michaels do you believe in miracles yeah we will hear exactly. doc's voice forever in some of the more legendary clips of the game oh yeah and uh it's pretty cool i'm i'm really thankful for him and hope you know it feels like we're doing our uh, shout outs already to him i'm just like so proud and happy that he was a great ambassador for the game for us for so long oh, he and- was very much an ambassador and i loved it too and just to echo, like, what he did, you know, outside of, you know, uh, play-by-play, you know, he was, in 2004, he was one of the three winners for the Lester Patrick Trophy, presented by the NHL for outstanding service to hockey in the United States, and also the Hockey Hall of Fame awarded him in 2008 for the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award for outstanding co- contributions to hockey broadcasting so i mean it's not he it's not only that he was a great commentator but i mean he was just like you said daniel a great ambassador for the game alone yeah Yeah, and to add on to that he's won eight emmys i mean all of them are not just not with hockey but it's national sports programming national news documentaries so pretty much along the lines he knows what it is to be a broadcaster you know a very well-rounded broadcaster Mm -hmm. plus dude has jersey game Really? Did you guys Jersey game. Did you guys notice that when they were broadcasting from home and uh he had like his take on the game before the finals was starting yeah. they'd like zoom to show his uh house and he'd have like a Cleveland Barons jersey up one day Yeah Yeah yeah, That's dude, cool. he had some real nice vintage uh, threads of polyester up on his wall. Well, and I guarantee you, I those like are all authentic as well. Oh, I'm sure. Like, he has the money. It's like what you it's said. It's not even with, he has uh, the money. He has the friends that played yeah. on the team. The Probably. Dude, yeah. He's but, like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, Doc Emmerich style for hockey. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, it's almost like uh, you said Ryan Reynolds. Uh huh. Oh, he will go and snipe up any like game worn like Vancouver. Oh yeah, he's a huge Canucks fan yeah. collector. It makes it difficult. Well, apparently he does that on the set too. You know, he steals like I guess he's stolen like a number of like uh, Deadpool props and stuff like that over, oh, over I the years. I doubt it. But uh, I mean, well, so anyways, back to Doc. I mean, uh, I, I I do just want to say. Thank you for all your work, and thank you for what you've done to the game. And, uh, you know, it is going to be sad that you're retiring. So, uh, you know, a uh, a sweet, fond adieu to uh, Doc. Hey, man, if you need to stretch those vocal cords, we'd be happy to have you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Doc, you, you know, you got a spot on the podcast for sure. <laughs> Always. Thanks for making us millennials and these TV casts you did in hockey. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Agreed. I'm going to go out and say he did a fantastic job. He also emulated and almost, I feel like, made sportscasters want to emulate him, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, especially uh, uh, for a new generation to come up and be, you know, the next Doc Emmerich would be, would be, I I mean, I I would assume that'd be like a, a thing, you know? You know, some guy, some guy like, yeah, oh, I'll be the next. I'll be the. I want to be the next Doc Emmerich. Yeah, 
So, so I, I mean, mean, he was a voice for many generations, and just for what he did, I just want to thank him. Absolutely. So, thank you, Doc. And uh, so let's move on to free agency. I mean, uh, we we did like uh, we did talk a little bit about free agency with Mike on last episode, but it's kind of more like a you know an over uh, an overview of just what was happening in those days. So we uh, I want to kind of take a look at these, and I want to I want to gauge your guys's I uh, you know hockey minds and what you guys are looking at. Let's talk winners and losers of the free agency uh, of the last week or. So, um, who wants to uh, take the first dive? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna say Ross. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's start I'm, with your winner. I'm gonna say I'm gonna have winners. Um, I'm gonna say uh, that's what I asked yeah, for. <laughs> but I'm just say, no, I have multiple. Um, Vancouver Canucks picking up Schmidt. That that's huge on the back end for him. Like major, major. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Vegas, I feel, was kind of stupid on doing this, but they also got Alex Petrangelo in that whole entire deal. So, I mean, that was kind of a smart move on their part. But well, I Vegas feel is that, sweeping up on all the... Uh, oh, yeah. But I feel that Nate Schmidt is like way better of a defenseman than Al- Alex Petrangelo. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if he's way better. I mean, um, in in some parts of the game they're comparable, but yeah. I mean, uh, it it uh, it's gonna hurt the Vegas Golden Knights to lose a defenseman like Nate Schmidt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, they fit. He fits their system a lot better. So I feel that was a good pickup with the Canucks. Yeah. To add to, you got Hughes and all them. That's about it, though. Actually, yeah. I mean, young unfortunately, guns, but... we lost Tanev and. Free agency, so yeah, and I mean, uh, like I mean, a defensive-minded kid like Stetcher too, also yeah, yeah. man, and but. he was from like Richmond, so yeah. uh, BC. So we we're like, don't take a hometown discount. There's no such thing as that in sports to me, but not anymore. No but way. like, come on, please. And I don't know if we qualified him or not, or gave him an offer, but it was tough to see him go. Didn't want to piggyback off of your winner right now, but I'm I'm kind of sore because I agree that the Canucks did a good job winning Schmidt, oh, yeah. but as a consolation to everything else they were working on, they were trying to get Oliver Ekman to like O E L. I'll just say that it's yeah. easier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, they lost a lot of their dudes. So anyway, keep going. But that that was a good pickup. I feel mm-hmm. that was a huge winner. For the Canucks to pick that up in the offseason after losing that, that's for sure. Great step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Um, you got somebody that you can build around along with Hughes. Yeah, you oh, a, yeah. You got a young guy and an old guy, older veteran guy that can kind of teach him the ropes and kind of well, show him. So. Show him the kind of like hidden game, uh, points of his game, of a game, you oh, know. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not going to be a hometown guy, but I feel that the abs kind of made out like bandits with this whole entire thing. I, I will, I will totally agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, picking up on, uh, Brandon sod, huge oh, yeah. and Devon Taves for literally chicken feed. Oh yeah. You got Devon Taves for cheap. You got Brandon sod. Who's been a 20 goal scorer consistently for the last handful of seasons. And he's got playoff experience and stuff too. And he's championship fast. pedigree. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Avs are interesting because, like, the only reason I can't really call them a winner or a loser is because 
of how well they've been doing managing their team lately that this offseason they didn't really have to do much. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, parallel that with Toronto, okay? Toronto has the same age group, firepower on offense, a little thin on the blue line. Um, saw it fall apart with the cold tending a little bit. But they also have like guys that are locked in for so much money, and we see what Toronto's doing during the off season right now, and they're replacing non-core players with cheaper players because they oh, know yeah. they have other players that they need to sign and other players that are like making eleven million dollars a year. Definitely, like, definitely. It's, it, so Toronto's doing a good job with the hand that they were dealt, but they dealt themselves that deck. Too. Yeah, so they, it's, they, it's really, kinda, they really just kind of buried themselves, you know. Right, whereas the Avalanche are in a similar situation, but don't have to deal with any of that financial issue. Because no. you guys are talking about Taves like it's a done thing. He He's, he's, a, he's an RFA, so yeah. they haven't signed him yet, but we all know it's going to happen. Yeah. We're not worried about it. They yeah. have plenty of space. So. Oh, yeah. We already look at it as a as a thing that happened and will get done because we all think Sakic is the man right now, and I agree. Yeah, you know? he's waited out, and then you've got Andre Burkowski that just got uh, signing a three year deal. Yeah, and then you got Joe's. I wish that it was my buddy Hollywood. Well, yeah, Neto going back to uh, San Jose. Jose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, uh, as as it as it stands right now, I mean, you've got Martin Count in and Shane Bowers oh, yeah. coming in, probably looking for a spot. So Neto Neto's just the guy that's getting pushed out, you know. Oh yeah, but yep. yeah, you know, I like my hometown guys. And I mean, you, and then you get you got you you lock down Ryan Graves for that's two the years. Thing. Yep. And oh shoot, one of the guys that we thought it would be a good prospect turned out to be a good prospect and deserves this money. Yeah. You right. gotta pay the man. Someone's oh, gotta yeah. feel the pinch. So well, I mean best somebody was it's a about, good yeah. scenario to be in as the avalanche. There. Best oh, yeah. best plus minus in the league. That's I mean, a lot of people these days don't uh don't take plus minus you know, more in hand like they don't look at it as that big of a deal anymore, but I, I still I still believe that there is something to say about plus minus. Sure. It's it's become an easier game to dissect plus minus into all the courtsy stuff now that they have for possession time and, you know, goals on the ice versus off. Power play PA. Yeah, and I understand plus minus really well. Not Corsi super great and Fenwick scores and all that stuff that's new, but I do know that like plus minus is a metric that's good, but not as like there's better ones for measuring defensemen. But they're good in those metrics too. The yeah. abs are doing all right. Oh yeah. Well, and that's I loved every single deal that they did this off season. Yeah. It was smart as Sackick. I questioned him at first immensely. But now that his like everything is coming to fruition, it's been a beautiful ride. Just got all, you know that, and and that's a that's a big uh, that's I think that's a big lesson learned for a lot of uh, you know unruly fans out there with struggling teams. Oh yeah, is that you know if you, you you never know you can you can you know get a hold of a GM like Joe that has this incredible plan and you can piss and moan about it all you want, but and, and then once it finally comes through, I mean, I I. You know when that uh, the season where we finished worse than the league, like historically bad, the Avs did. I was you know I was ready just to just say fuck it all, you know. 
but I mean, look at us now. I mean, everybody, uh, yeah, you know, uh, for the longest time, it was like, you know, the abs were a joke. And now there's, it's almost impossible not to say something good about the abs. So it's not, especially when you look, I mean, even though we are a local Colorado podcast, I mean, if you just look at, you know, what's happened around even the nation, when you have your big stars who have retired, maybe take over some sort of ownership or maybe even a player personnel, you know, part of the team, they start picking draft picks. Like if you look at any other sport, I feel like Colorado, look at John Elway and compare to fucking Joe Sackick. These guys, I mean, Joe Sackick has, has has have so much credit going to him right now. Like sure. he's, I mean, nationally, internationally, when he guards to just like draft picks for any sport, I think this guy has really got it. Well, you know? and as I've already talked to you about Cody, and I don't know if you boys will agree with me, but Joe Sackick's gone through it with the worst of the Nordiques. He knows how to build, like, how to see how a team is built around him. Hmm. He knows. Interesting. Kinda, you, you get what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. Like, he's been there. He has the empathy he's to really put himself in the like skates McKinnon. of a McKinnon or yeah. Landis yeah. Gog and know what it takes to make those guys happy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to make this point really short just so we can get on to the losers of your, your losers. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's where him. Uh, Joe Sackick as a GM and uh, Patrick Waugh as a coach did not see eye to eye. No, Patrick as Patrick Waugh came into uh, just winning systems, mm-hmm. he, uh, win- came on a winning teams. I mean, you've got you, you know you, you step in as a rookie and you win the Stanley Cup with the uh, Montreal Canadiens. From from there on, you're basically one of the top teams in the league. And then you get traded to the Avs, which I mean, if they would have stayed in Quebec, they probably would have won the Stanley Cup anyways. But I mean, getting sold down the river. Yet you go, you know, you go and play for Colorado. You win a Stanley Cup. All every year that you play there is basically could be considered a winning year. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he ever really understood what it takes to actually grow a team the way Joe did. Joe yeah. does. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the that's why it's so nice to be able to interview these players and hear their perspectives on their careers when they're done because what we're talking about is when during their career did they face enough adversity to have the experience to put back into whatever they're trying to do as a leader oh yeah and that's what i'm saying exactly and i think i think like there's a lot of players in all sports that are that way i think if you look across all pro sports almost everyone in a head office executive or uh, style position might not be a past athlete, but everyone kind of in a management position of the team usually was. Um, so I understand that, you know, uh, there's like Forsbergs on, or sorry, Sackick's everywhere. But I think the thing that we really need to focus on is Sackick is a superstar and also really good at this. Yeah. And that combination doesn't always work out. Gretzky, coach of Phoenix. Oh, so so there's, See, yeah, that there's, was... there are things right. that just you, you're surprised that they're this good at a different aspect of the game that they were already dominating. And now they're putting more like their brain power and savviness to it rather than being able to actually stick handle and put the puck in the net. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's impressive. And, and I think Iserman's amazing at that oh, as well. God. Yeah. And yes. they played together. Uh, 19s, baby. Maybe there's something in that number. But yeah. the th- 
I mean, the guy also drafted some players that just won a cup in Tampa Bay. He's taking over in uh, Detroit now. And he was the executive that helped Canada win a gold medal, back putting him back on the map. So I love when these superstars end up being like so damn good at the GM side of it. Mm-hmm. That's the part that gets me because yeah. that's the part that I'm just seeing as more rare. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. whoa. Yeah. I also want to step in and just say we got to give some credit to some of the coaches too. I mean, yeah, you definitely have these guys that can definitely pick your pieces for what you need to do. But to have the coaches like Jared Bednar, who's able to kind of, I think, really has been able to put the pieces together and maybe doesn't have the pieces he needs right now. I think what they've done in free agency in the draft kind of really did, you know, solve those voids. Um, but, you know, one example is Jared Bednar, along with management like Sackett. And professional kind of, you know, scouting. Oh, yeah. As well as that, too. It's all been really, really well handled. But, I, yeah, as I said, it's goes back to Sackick with all of his trials and tribulations he went through. He picked the right coach. He's has his player like his core players and he's built around that. Mm-hmm. And just to see that just just come to fruition here just in the last like five years has been amazing. Well and it's still not it still hasn't actually come to fruition yet. I mean this is this is just the next step in his oh, yeah. in the in the grand design. But he's <laughs> just making them better and better and you're just like there's no way. But all right. Alright, so let's let's talk about your losers of the free agency real quick. Sabres. I love the Sabres. <laughs> I mean I'm instantly going into this. Eric Stahl, that was a great pickup for them. I mean, Eric Stahl, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's a little long in the tooth, but I mean, he, that that man's that man's pure he hockey. Acts, he accents anybody that's offensive wise. Just oh, IQs, just the off IQs. the charts. Yeah, oh yeah, he's a good. All the Stahl brothers have great IQs. Yeah, but then you're forking out eight million dollars for one year for a Taylor Hall. It's an expensive experiment. Yeah, right, like. I don't like. I was I was hoping that it was going to be the set. I mean, nothing to bash on your jersey, but at least they picked up Murray. Oh, uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I can tell you that right now. We'll see about their defense and stuff, but yeah, no. At least they've done something to try to bolster something. See what see what bugs me about it is that you already got one major Pantene pro, obviously, in Jack Eichel. And then you're gonna add another Pantene Pro in uh, with uh, Taylor Hall. I just don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna mix well. Oh no, no. You're well, exactly I, in a right. sense, though, it's almost like a kind of like a win-win. I feel like for the Sabers. I mean, it's a one-year, eight million dollar contract for Hall. They have an option to trade him at the deadline if they wanted to. So besides his characteristics and how we feel about him as an actual person. His fucking skills are what they're looking for anyways, right? So, I mean, if at the end of the day, if things work out, they don't work out. If they don't, they can trade him at the deadline. So, it could what, be a win-win. Happen, what to, happens when it works out? How do you afford him next year? Yeah. yeah. Still it's, a, it's a one-year deal. Yeah, so it works out next year. Then what? It's. I mean, it decides. I mean, it goes from there. If, if he does, if he does what he's thing. supposed to, when you look if, at the numbers, it's no, like yeah. how how does this go on beyond next year? I mean, Taylor Hall. I mean, I think you know he brings a lot to the table. He brings a lot to the table. I don't doubt I, that. I, I he's an so. MVP. It's like you can't afford. So at the end, the, so at no. the end, I mean, that's something they have to talk about later. But I think if you look at Taylor Hall compared to the rest of some of these guys in their roster, he might be worth keeping around. 
What I'm saying. How are you gonna? Well, what Daniel's saying is, how are you gonna afford him after yeah. this one year? At like, eight million dollars. The Sabers dollars. are hedging their bets so fucking hard on this. It is ridiculous, and for him to stay around, they're not gonna pay him that kind of money. Right, but saying at the deadline they can trade him. It's, they're still it's paying a, to win million dollars. Yeah, they're still paying him eight million dollars. I guess what I'm getting at is if the experiment next year that's very expensive pays off and they don't end <laughs> up paying him at the trading him at the deadline and he does really well, it then becomes very hard to afford him in the next draft. Yeah. He's also not protected in the expansion draft. Nope. So the Kraken can pick him up. You or they designate that they want to protect him, even though he's a UFA. Yeah, and uh, you, and then you lose somebody else. Like so Victor it's, tr- it's tricky. I know they did this too, though, because there is a coach that used to be with yeah. the Oilers that he loves that is now with the Sabers. So Hall is like really happy about that chemistry and thinks like this situation in Buffalo with him and Eichel is going to work out. I like buffalo getting stall because i think that touches on us saying like we needed some leadership around yeah. the locker room for eichel oh, yeah. yeah that's true after that i don't know if this whole thing is going to be i think smart it's... for buffalo <laughs> i mean uh, they can resign him for a long-term deal if he does his thing I mean, he can do amazing things and he could be worth it i mean that's something that we also take into consideration as well well yeah well you won't, if, if like... not we'll then see you later we'll trade you get future assets the deadline well, we'll fit. Yeah, I mean, you you want to hope that it's going to work. They're not going to need that dead money either. Uh, uh, uh it, and that that, well, that also raises a question: Who's going to eat that eight million dollar contract? Nobody. I mean, even though I was kind of pushing it with the sod deal, for a guy like oh, eight million dollars in NHL isn't that much money. That, that's kind of huge for one one, one year. year. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's someone else to pick that up on a trade deadline in one year. I mean, you're still going to be splitting it. Well, no, nobody's going to split it. It's just hard for a team competing for a cup to also have eight, like, well, at that point, $3.23 million of cap space. Yeah. Because they're already at the cap. Well, if we got sod for two point, uh, no, 3.5, as I was talking about with you, mm-hmm. that would have been awesome. Like, yeah. Even better. That would have made that a sweet, 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 sweet deal. Oh, yeah. But... You know, we and we ended up, you know, biting the bullet and taking more of it. So, but they have the cap space avalanche. Same oh, time, yeah. Sabers is just yeah. like, what do you have to lose? Try something here. They've lost a it's lot truth. of things for the last fifty years. You might as well. <laughs> I think they're kind of tired of it. And That's things. right. They've tried every. You're right. They've tried a lot. Might yeah. as well try this. Yeah. It doesn't work out. Trade deadlines there. We'll eat something. But that's like well, how I feel like they view it. I mean, it's a win-win. It's eight point five for. One year, hey, they say it works out, fuck it. If not, hey, we have an option there. Yeah, Taylor Hall has yeah. had, uh, I mean, a decent amount of success in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think it's a good deal for Hall, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But for the Sabres that need to, like, completely just refigure their whole entire situation, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so the, those are your only, that's your only loser? You got oh, any more? God, I mean... That's the one. That's my only loser. One that stands really. out to you, eh? Yeah, and that, as I said, when they did stall, it was like, oh, that's good for them. Step they up. signed Hall for that one-year, eight million dollar contract. It's like that you, you got hooked and baited into that one. 
you got hosed. Yeah. All right, yeah. So let's move on here, Daniel. What do you got for winners and losers of the I free mean, agency? I think I've commented a lot, so I don't want to add too much more, but I do want to say one loser that I'm I'm kind of like, are you effing kidding me right now? And it's the Chicago Blackhawks. It's Stan Bowman's <laughs> BS, we're rebuilding, but not really that, statement. Yeah, that... Uh, that. I just like... Oh, man, like it's just so lame for them to try to be like, no, the reason we didn't sign like Crawford Mata? and we uh, and Mata and lost uh, and we decided to move Leonard at the deadline instead of keeping him, and then he ends up being amazing for Vegas and all this other stuff, like all of their mistakes that they've done up to this point. I think Stan Bowman tried to cover by then being like. Oh, it's because don't worry, we were we were going to do the rebuilding, and it's like, but you were good, and you took out Edmonton, and you pissed off your core by saying you're rebuilding. Yeah, like, but then your statement isn't saying you're rebuilding; it's that you're going to clear house so that you can support the veteran players, which is like not a rebuild, which is also what you were doing this last year, and what you've been doing every year since they've won with the core players. So it just sounds like you're saying you're rebuilding, but actually just going to do everything like you do every year, trying to like satisfy up against the cap to appease the cane and taze of the team. And it's just weird. It's just all wrong. And I think like they just can't admit that they've screwed this up. And I, I, and I have not liked pretty much anything that they've done in free agency either. So yeah. uh, Not even I'm glad that Zdorov. they got Kubalik. That that was great that they got Kubalik. I'm glad that they got Zadorov, but they really got Zadorov by giving away Sod yeah. as well. Yeah. So Which look is... at how that affected the team. And that's not a good not that's skill, not a good like thing why? from Chicago's perspective. So yeah. I'm just like, oof. I don't know, man. I think they're royally effed right now. And yeah. so they're my big losers. Yeah. Well, and Robbie L going out and doing his thing, getting a big contract. Good on him. Uh huh. Jumping ship oh, when that it was, was right. That oh, was, God, yeah. That was probably the smartest thing he could have done. Oh, yeah, in his lifetime. Yeah. What do you got there, Bryce? Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's been a lot said that I wanted to say earlier, but I think, you know, one winner out of all this might be the Montreal Canadiens. Um, just because, I mean, they added, you know, a pretty nice, you know, shortened things up a little bit here, you know, with their goaltender and Jake Allen. Um, and they added, you know, Joel Edmondson. So that's a plus side in there for them. Uh, Josh Anderson as well. And, you know, and Tyler Toffoli. So, I yeah. mean, there's a lot that's going on there. I see a lot of potential, um, especially their free agency and the draft. So if they're upcoming, I see that, you know, a lot of positives going that way. So I would consider the Canadians as a winner in my book there. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to lie to you. I think it was actually really good that they got rid of Max Domi. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. as well, yeah. And, well, I mean, Josh no. Anderson's no slouch. No, and Toffoli's t- actually a good player, too. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt No, you there, I was interrupting you guys, too. So it's I, I'm gutted that you that we don't have Toffoli anymore. Oh, he was an amazing fit on the Canucks. Yeah, he was. So... I think it's a, a great fit for Montreal because you look at how they got the Gallagher deal done, which I oh, think is yeah. a really huge. important piece oh, of that, that team. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, and then it makes all the more sense that you put Toffoli there. I think the terms on the Anderson are a little long and a little high for me because he had a really good 2018-2019, then a not-so-great last year. 
yeah. and really regressed, right? Well, and then they was, paid him as if this last year never happened, yeah. basically. Yeah, he was injured, like, majority of this year. Right. So I hope that that gamble pays off, and I think they ended up giving him a, a, an extra year than they wanted to just to make sure they got him. Yeah. Uh, and that was part of that trade, it right? Is, yeah. So, so I think it was smart. Because you could tell from that they were they were all in on Anderson, um, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but I agree with you. I like the Montreal overall did a pretty good job. All right, who um, do you got for losers? Losers. Uh, sorry, Cody, but um, I, I feel like the Boston Bruins might be losers here a little bit. You I mean they let Tory Krug go? Yeah, and <laughs> their biggest signing this yet has been Craig Smith. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I mean that's. It yeah, that's there. a huge it's, loss for yeah. little games. You're right. Honestly, uh, I, I, you know, th- for the longest time, it's there's been so many rumors about Tory Krug leaving, and uh, there's been but less for rumors. nothing though. He just kind of just walked. Yeah, I think uh, he was a UFA, right? UFA. Yeah, yeah I so. mean, sadly that you know, I feel like they could have done more with him. You know, prior to the agencies what they should have did and if you if they could have if you're gonna ask me about the boston bruins i mean i would have definitely thought about uh letting go of uh charlie mcavoy before i i would let go of tory Krug any day yeah uh mcavoy or brandon carla either one i could have i could have just parted with and i i would have stuck with tory Krug. so i i definitely agree with you there that boston bruins uh are looking like losers right now and I don't, I don't see much, uh, much else happening. I mean, you've got Zdeno Chara on one more year, and you know, obviously, he's a big presence in the locker room and on the bench and all that. But I mean, Toy Krug was your big min- uh, minute eater. Yeah, I mean, you've got him playing uh, p- uh, power play, uh, some PK and five on five all the time, and you, you just let him walk out the door. I just, uh, I, I. Yeah. I can't I, I can't agree more with you and it, it's just sad you know that you know the boston bruins they're always there every season they're almost always in a playoff spot but it's almost just leaving you as a fan and their fan base with a little more uncertainty every year and yeah, that's yeah. what you're getting there yeah what a privilege that you have had sedano chara on that blue line for so long um maybe not the last few years but he he is not a problem on your team Right, you Absolutely can you can not. have him and not worry about him so much. He's your glue, and so yeah. There's, I th- I think that the way they're treating that is like, he'll come back on the team once the team knows how much money they have left over to fill out the team around it because he'll take veteran minimum. Right? Oh, he did. Yeah, this oh, he last did? year. This last year, he signed. Uh, uh, well, he signed a one year extension during uh, last season. Oh, I thought Chara was undecided right now no yeah well the if i if i'm remembering correctly he signed a one-year extension during like the middle of last season okay um well that's good news for boston fans uh i guess a little bit but honestly yeah you're right the the blue line but i also know that these kinds of things look this way when things don't work out and i know that uh when oliver ekman larson there i said it right that time there you go uh was flirting with leaving Arizona um there was a sweepstakes going on between Boston and Vancouver for his services so yeah. they could have already known that Krug was not going to resign no matter what they were doing right and so it was like well let's stop 
trying that and go for OEL. And then when OEL decides he doesn't want to go, that's when teams like Vancouver and Boston look like crap. And then Vancouver wins by getting the leftover, not Pietrangelo, by getting Schmidt. Yeah. And yeah. then there's nothing for Boston to then get. Right. And then it's like, oh, crap. So Yeah, so they, they might have just gotten, you know, sticked pretty hard. But all teams know that these are things that can happen in free agency. And so that's why you, like, give them the money to make sure oh, yeah. that Krug doesn't even start sniffing around St. Louis. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so. Well, and, and I think, and I got to think that, like, just the relentless amounts of rumors around Tory Krug, like every time he's signed a, uh, has, uh, the last time he was a UFA, and even now, even before that, like with trade rumors all around, I mean, that doesn't, that almost has you kind of like looking for the door anyways at some point, yeah. you know? But, I mean, that's just me. Well, I thought they, that the Avs were going to pick up Tory Krug. I mean, I, 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 I think if uh, we hadn't signed Samuel Girard to such a big contract, we probably would have been a little more. In, uh, well, the Avs would have probably been a little more in on it, and oh, then, yeah. then uh, you know, then just you know the regular, regular, uh, regular old rumor mill. So, um, all right, I've got, uh, I got, I got, I got a couple winners and losers here, uh, and I'll make it quick, just because we're uh, we're chatting. And everything's getting crazy. Um, so check this out. Um, my winner of free agency is the Ottawa Senators. Oh my goodness! Yeah, in the win column, eh? Yeah, in the win column. Not overpaying Murray. No. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, I well. No, a, but the, I like this. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think I think they did a really damn good job of. I mean, you know, getting uh, Evgeny Dadnoff. That's mm-hmm. that was a huge. Huge get a three year deal. At, I mean, uh, seven, terms. seven mil, and then yeah, you got Matt Murray out on four. I don't know if I would have gone four years with that, but I mean, you still that's a huge get after um, after you know Craig Anderson, like the the goalie that has stood the test of time, is finally walking away from the Senators. And I mean that was I, to me the Senators' big problems were goaltending. I mean Craig Anderson for what he was, it was a uh, I mean he could be a solid tendy, but I mean, it, you know just it, when you when you've got uh, a rotating chair of backup goalies behind him, and I mean you know just that almost on off switch that you could just put on Anderson. I think going out and getting Matt Murray's huge. And then um, uh, a Latvian guy. I, I I just wish Keith was here because they signed. They also signed uh, Rudolph's Balsers to another one year contract, which is huge. What a name, Rudolph's Balsers. <laughs> Balsers. <Huge>. They <laughs> didn't score a goal back in the nineteen sixties. That's nope. for sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe his dad, Rudolph's Balsers Senior, or something did back in you know Blitzen. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Blitzen's balsers, yeah. (laughs) But I know I think I I really think that uh, Eugene Melnick actually did did something good for once. Except saying that they're going to win the cup in the next four years. Yeah. God, what an idiot. Yeah. Uh, And uh, when I started seeing the uh, like you know uh, Dadnoff signing the Murray signing, I'm like, when the fuck did Melnick actually start to give a shit about this team? 
Truth, because he paid them a lot of money. Yes, absolutely. Uh, like I, I like the fact that they didn't totally f up the draft either. Like, yeah, they had a lot of picks. Yeah, and they actually picked good players and did a good job. And looks like this is going to be a good team. Yeah, that. I mean, I. Well, you know, I'm I'm a huge believer in that Stutzel kid. I think he's. Yeah, he's he does be, look great. Yeah, so. Uh, big german player so that i mean you know i i think they come away a little bit of winners out of this free agency nice and so my losers are all the california teams oh Oh, god (laughs) i I think the best one i'm not even was shattenkirk we talked about that and i mean that's that's literally the only thing you're hearing out of anywhere in california right now and they got grant back that's it don't Derek grant yeah Yeah, that's a that's game breaker there I'll, i'll tell you right now i mean L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim, they were ghosts. Oh, we missed the bus completely in this whole entire thing. Yeah. I, 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 like, I mean, when when you guys, are, when all three teams are sitting at the bottom of the uh, Pacific Division, I mean, you, you've got to do something here. You've okay. got to, you've got to look elsewhere. You've got to find, you've got to find something. I mean, big names were out there for signings. Move around, move, move parts around. Get somebody in there that can shake up the lineup, and nothing came from any of those three teams. No, oh, I think Marlowe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe Marlowe. Yeah. yeah, for the San Jose Sharks, oh. and then yeah, the Kings did jack shit. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, like that's the two biggest things that happened on the north and south side of California. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the biggest news out of California has been a player re-signing or signing in toronto yeah yeah <laughs> like i mean thornton yeah, to the leaves yeah, joe thornton is the, the biggest free agency news in the way i like that you're so right all three of those teams really didn't do anything and no, i mean when when you when you've got big names like i mean oel out there like looking for trades i mean toy crew Alex Petrangelo, Matt Murray. I mean, uh, look at San Jose's go- like goalie problem. Look at LA's goalie problem. I mean, mm-hmm. Jonathan Quick's aging faster than Jonathan you know Slow. a rotten peach in the sun. Yeah. And I mean, you, uh, you've got what the uh, uh, I I don't even know. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the the backup uh, their backup that they're really really stoked about. The Kings. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's not Johnson. Uh, I don't know. Either way, uh, but he's still uh, he's still a couple of years away from actually, you know, cracking a a uh, a full time goaltender's position. So I mean, you know, you, you've got you've got all these exciting prospects out there that you know you can uh, make moves to change change the team's landscape and. You hear nothing from all three of those teams. Like the I, yeah, easily the top losers to me. And like especially San Jose, man. Their their last year window to win the cup has been like four years extended, and they're still they didn't do anything. In fact, like oh, no. the ultimate um, sign of that over is Thornton going to Toronto instead of trying to win with San Jose next oh, yeah. year. Yeah. I will know the biggest one was Little Joe. Little Joe going down to Dallas, I feel. Joe Pavelski. 
Oh, the, last the, year? Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel yeah, that, that was, was like the end. The that was the beginning thing. of the that end. That was the beginning yeah, of the end. And they just right. started cleaning house. They brought Marlowe back just, you know, so he can retire with the team that drafted him, basically. Pretty much. Good job. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. He's going to break Gordy Howe's uh, NHL games played record. You guys know that? Yeah, no, I didn't that's know. A, that'll yeah, be he's wow. like 20-ish games away from breaking that. That'll so, be awesome to so, see. So, just to clarify, not more pro games than Gordy Howe played, more NHL games than Gordy Howe played. NHL yeah, games. Yeah. yeah. But still. So, yeah, I mean, winners and losers of the free agency frenzy. I think we all had uh, some pretty, I mean, pretty solid points that, that was made. And, I mean, I do just want to say I do agree with you with Chicago, too. Mm-hmm. Being, uh, I mean, uh, that that was then uh, that dreadful letter to the fans. Stan's like, no Scotty. Like, that's all I can say. Yeah, that's for sure. I was like, he must have been drunk <laughs> while he he put that out or something. I'm like, I was reading it. I'm or like, more like Stan, stop drinking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> stop drinking. Just for a minute, uh, you just think about what just one doing. off season. Just. <laughs> All right, boys, so let's move on to uh, this really exciting prospect. I mean, if you guys uh, if if uh, you guys are Jersey addicts, I mean, which uh, I'm kind of talking to, like, Jersey's Anonymous right now, Jersey <laughs> Buyers Anonymous, so this is kind of, like, an exciting thing to us. Like, uh, the majority of uh, NHL hockey teams this season are going to be going to a reverse retro kind of uh, fourth jersey, if you want to call it that, because, I mean, everybody... You know, you've got your third jersey, so, you know, you've got this, like, retro fourth jersey kind jersey of A jersey you only see one time for one game. Like, once or <laughs> twice, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the details on this news are still emerging. Yeah. Um, basically, the jersey hockey community that uh, I'm so in love with um, is trying to figure out what exactly this reverse retro jersey thing even means. So... As far as we understand, re- reverse retro is like they're going to do a retro jersey of that team, but not in the traditional way. It's somehow going to be reversed or inverted or For something the new like that. Team colors, so just so everyone understands, an example of that would be not saying this is what will happen. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche doing a retro Quebec Nordiques jersey, but maybe with the Avalanche colors. Just as an example. And we're starting to see some of what we believe to be the confirmed designs for some of these teams starting to leak out. Because, you know, as these rumors go, one person in Indonesia at Adidas got a hold of the design and took a picture and put it on eBay. So we think we know pretty sure what the Pittsburgh Penguins one looks like. And it's like a... uh, uh, letter script diagonal that says Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the opposite it's, of the black ones. Yeah, right. It's reminiscent of the nineteen uh, the nineteen ninety two when it uh, when they started with uh, nineteen ninety two up to like ninety eight away sweaters the the black ones with the uh, with the Pittsburgh script. So yeah. perfectly on brand right there. That's a retro but reverse because instead yeah. of it saying penguins, it says Pittsburgh and right. the colors are kind of inverted. Um, and then Philadelphia kind of did the same thing. Yeah, actually, the ones with like the O two, the O two O three kind of like uh, 
uh, Peter Forsberg era, yeah. Yeah. Simone Gagne era, kind of like, a, but you? with a black on the shoulders instead of just orange and right. white. That's true. So, I, so the, sorry, go ahead, no, Ross. I was going to say, I thought they almost did like a reverse of the black third jerseys that they did. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing. thing. Yeah, it's but close to that. Yeah. We're basically like guessing it's going to be like third jerseys with reverse color schemes in yeah. some era of like the 90s or something. So we're all kind of excited because you give us any reason to talk about hockey jerseys, we will. Yeah, but yeah. I love retro stuff, and oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of, like, ugly third jerseys in general, like the Mooteris or <laughs> the Turd Burger yeah. or the Fisherman and all of these ones that collectors are, like, salivating over. Yeah. And it's funny because even before this reverse retro thing was announced, when the Vegas Golden Knight third jersey yellow uh, came out, we were all thinking like, oh my god, it's kind of like that Mustard Cat Nashville Predators jersey, and it's already going to have like ugly, notorious status or something, yeah. and now we're talking about like reverse retros, and it's going to be interesting. Did they have to get like authorization from Gold Dust, the wrestler, just to like <laughs> use that much gold on it's that jersey? As oh god. Sin. But it's one of those ones I think you'll love it because of how ugly it is kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Or like, you're yelling fun. at us right now being like, what are you talking about? It's already beautiful. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why we love hockey jerseys. They come in all shapes, sizes, colors, and everyone can love them, and they're all beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is just our opinions. But. So, yeah. Ross, I am very interested in yours because when I think Anaheim Ducks, I think Wild Wing. Yeah. Do you think that's what's going to happen for the Ducks? There's leaked pictures that they're going to do that, except with like an orange background, and it's going to be more towards their colors, basically. Like okay. the... the, the present colors with yeah. the wild wing oh yeah popping out of the ice like that's the, and also that is the only hockey jersey in nhl history to actually full form show the actual mascot on it oh yeah and the oh. mascot's wearing the, A mighty, the, ducks the mighty ducks jersey it's very meta <laughs> everything this is why jersey people are like i must have this because it's like it's ugly pretty at the same time and it's like a no. car crash i can't look away it's yeah. like <laughs> it's as we call my dad studebaker pretty ugly pretty ugly <laughs> all right so cody i know you and i and the rest of the pod we look at jerseys more than the healthy individual and I'm just kind of curious, like, how much uh, you're looking forward to this, but also what designs you think are going to happen out of this whole retro jersey thing? Well, it's really cool, actually, that you uh, you asked that, because uh, just, just like, a, a couple days ago, maybe a week ago, Nathan McKinnon actually posted on, like, Twitter or something with uh, these light blue, ba- like, light blue, baby blue gloves Ooh, that said, that, with this, like, ominous message, it just says, new baby colors. Blue. And and so, you, you know, you got to think at that point, A, it's uh, 25th anniversary for the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, yeah. And then you got this whole retro, uh, uh, reverse retro coming around, I. I got to say, there's probably going to be some sort of Nordique uh, Avalanche crossover. What if they did the fucking wolf? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. The, like the, for those of you, there was, a, there was a design that Nordiques were going to go with 
but then they got sold to or they moved to Colorado, so that design never got used. But and Cody's worn this jersey on the on the pod before. Yes. And you've got one too, I've got Ross. Two. You've got two. I got a fourth <laughs> ribbon a sacking. And this this is a <laughs> All right, sick take about fucking concept. Off there, <laughs> so that might be that'd cool be if they worked that in. That would be really cool. I would that'd also be way wicked. I would also really like to see maybe like, you know, how the yeah, they had the N with a hockey stick mm-hmm. and a puck. But maybe try to work it into like an A with a hockey stick, okay. like a puck in like the North there you go. kind of uh, style. And I mean, obviously, maybe the fleur de lis on one side and then the new C yeah. on, the other, nice. on the other shoulder. Or you just... could even, like, this is why we love jerseys, people. Like, it's just so easy to go down this rabbit hole. You could put the, the footprint sideways, right? And then have the stick next to that. That's what I want. Well, I want right? to see a good old fucking nice Yeti footprint in the center of the jersey again. Yeah, that's I, been needed for a long time. It needs to happen. I guarantee you all Colorado fans out there are like, fuck yes, bring the Yeti foot back. I mean, that could be their 25 patch, maybe. Oh, bring like Howley back. Footprint yeah. with a 2 5 in there. That, like, see, that would be really that would be dope, too. Have to. I, would, I would be so in favor of that. <sighs> So that's that's what I've been kind of thinking about, and also I'd all, all I'd really like to see Vancouver bring back uh, uh, skate uh, Johnny the skate. Yeah, so so would I. I think one of the like that's the that's where my mind's been at too. Like you're the Avs fan, I'm the I'm the Canucks fan. Like as soon as this news broke, I was like, what jerseys could the Canucks do? And I'm like going through this like design Rolodex in my head and putting colors together and stuff and like. Johnny Canucks never really been the center crest on a jersey. No, no. It's always been like this V on the shoulders. There's this very famous concept art of him like skating. That's and the one that, that I've That would be dope yeah. to put in, but I don't know if they have the rights to that, and that's why they've never used it. But overall, I'm totally on with what you're saying around they have to put Johnny Canuck in there somewhere. Oh, you got to. The other cool concept I was thinking about, and this is a big shout-out to my uh, Jersey customizer friend on Instagram, CF67. This guy makes insane concept jerseys. What about the Canucks jersey but in the Vancouver Grizzly colors. Oh, oh my God. Because, wow. yeah. you know, there's a lot of Vancouverites that are still kind of thirsty and wish there was more in Vancouver than just the Canucks. And we all love the, we all love the Grizzlies as much as we hated them and never went. We love those designs and stuff. And CF67 makes some unbelievable uh, mashups on the Grizzlies and stuff and I could see those colors working it in even though it's just personally what I want it has no history with the team whatsoever but those colors are very retro oh they pop so they pop they are I mean I would even like to see maybe them going just like to almost like you know like a Seattle Seahawks kind of theme where just like a really like a lime green with like a blue tint that'd be pretty awesome I think kind of reversing that their jerseys they have right now would be pretty cool as well and that's the interesting thing too is like I wonder if the Kraken will get on board with this because they won't be a team next year. I'm surprised that the Vegas Golden Knights have gotten on this. Yeah. Like, besides their third jersey. 
It's like, folks, it's like red, and then it's like a weird Florida Panthers kind of like Canucks like V. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, because like there's not enough history in Vegas's franchise to go off of like any third jersey designs they've done already. Yeah, but it's more just using what they have. Or MGM Grand though, on a hundred years. You might be hitting the nail on the head with that because you've got the Metropolitan. Mm-hmm. And all the storied other teams that they used to have, the totems and all of that. So you could do a retro jersey for that, in a sense. But Vegas, I feel that they're putting the cart before the horse on that one. It'll be, oh. it'll just be interesting because we still don't know what, like, under what circumstances these jerseys will be worn, and uh, how many, te- and how many how, teams, how many actually. teams are participating. Yeah. So, like, as a other person who loves hockey jersey history that way. I look at things like when the NHL was 75 years old right. and they had turned back the clock jerseys that only the original six teams wore and only when they played against each other. Right. Oh, okay. Those are the ones with the vine that where I was just like, dude, you, I don't, what I'm one away from having all six really? and I'm trying to get it by November 1st because that's daylight savings day. All right. <laughs> Turn go. back there the clock. Go. Right. Um, oh, yeah, you're hey, fucking clever, I buddy. know. I premeditate my Instagram posts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> premeditate, <laughs> but like that's a circumstance. So I yeah. see that's why Philly Pittsburgh has been leaked, just because there's always that Philadelphia rivalry that's there. Oh, yeah. So that's a natural way to see those jerseys oh, yeah. get worked in. Oh yeah, and so I could see how the Nordiques. Or sorry, Avalanche would be participating because it would be like a rivalry of sorts against the Abs. When they and right? when they play Montreal, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The Abs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, I could see this definitely taking place if Vegas is involved against San Jose. Like or something like that. Well, at least you know? San Jose yeah. can do like their weird, goofy, like old school looking like sharks logos yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, shit, they've been around since the nineties, yeah, nineteen ninety exactly. So I mean, they've got a little bit of history, but I'm just saying that with Vegas, you're gonna have to dig deep. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm saying about the Vegas well, thing is, I think in a shallow pool. <laughs> 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 and I think that's when we'd see them is when they play like San Jose because right. that's like the only it's like oh five minute major out on the ice switch into the retro from Jersey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna get that you know get, so I'm I'm feet. like super keen of course there's no reason I wouldn't be I'm just so addicted to jerseys to see what these designs end up being but I gotta say this Pittsburgh Philly thing huge miss in my eyes of doing old school Pittsburgh Pirates Philadelphia Quakers. So for those of you that can follow me here, those are two NHL teams that used to exist in the league that don't exist anymore. Oh, yeah. And there's been concept art of, like, flyers in the script, like it used to be for Quakers and stuff, and they totally could have done that. And I'm kind of bummed that they didn't go that way. But I'm just a guy that loves really old jerseys. Should so Montreal Canadiens do the Maroons then? That would be so sick. That'd but, be that, but, but technically, Epic. again, like I wonder if they will because I'm campaigning for the Flyers wearing the Quakers and they're different clubs. Just like I'd love to see the Maroons, but that's technically not the same franchise as the Canadiens. I know. So I still, wouldn't see it, them doing it. 
but I would love to see it happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it would be fucking sick be if what? they took those old school, like, wool and, or- and acrylic sweaters. And we all know they're impractical to actually wear in a game, but just wear them, like, as, like, a winter classic warm-up. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. People yeah. would jump on those like flies on stink. It would be <laughs> so great just to see the like true jersey sweater thing oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. make a little bit of a resurgence and not just because I'm sitting on a stash of them that I love right. and would want to sell for a lot of money or anything. <laughs> well, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's why they actually call them sweaters is basically they were sweaters. Oh, they totally. Were, yeah, oh, they yeah. were not jerseys back in the day. They were literally just... Thick knitted sweaters. They were an air knit super twill. You oh, know? Definitely uh, not. So uh, well, this is this is a really this is going to be a great thing to keep your keep our eyes on for the next. I mean, however long. So I'm excited. I mean, give me uh, another uh, reason. Fucking five thousand to buy another jersey. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's like, I, great. Now I got to invent a new way to sneak stuff into the house. <laughs> <laughs> Get a P.O. box. Just use, my, <laughs> just use my name on it and just say, oh, Ross accidentally sent his car parts over here. Yeah. I, I, oh, yes. I'm, not, I'm not against it, guys. It's super soft, like, fabric uh, car parts, yeah. yeah. Really light. He, he got a turbo or something, but it's a light turbo. <laughs> it's funny you bring up cars just because I love jerseys to the point where I like buying them just to restore them and sell them to other people again. Yeah. And just to know that they don't smell anymore. They have the stains they thought they couldn't get rid of. Um, and it's just like a huge passion of mine, but it's so funny because every time I'm looking to buy a Jersey, I'm like, and it's, it's for that reason. And the inbox is so much bigger than the outbox right now. I keep buying and I'm right. like, I should really spend a weekend doing this stuff. Cause right now, I've got too many. It's a, uh, it's a very, it's more expensive than wallpaper. A lot more. A little bit. But it looks a lot cooler on your wall. Damn right. <laughs> well, it's like I got a game used a Utah Grizzlies uh, jersey, which Niedermeyer, looks like. right? Well, I, no, I just got a blank one, and I'm going to do a Tommy Solo on that. Oh, and no. possibly get rid of it, but. That's pretty sweet, though. But, yeah, Tommy Solo, his only champions he won was back-to-back between Denver and Utah. And that was in the IHL. Now they're disbanded. I mean, that's the only championship he ever saw. So that's that why makes I wanna... sense, guys. It's been about four episodes since you brought up that championship on the podcast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were due, Ross. Yeah, Thank seriously. You. Everybody's kind of thinking, when's he going to bring it up? When's he going to bring it up? Well, I just, I love my Denver Grizzlies. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, we'll see what has to happen. My wallet is not. It. All right, so we're we're gonna do a little experiment here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna step it. Uh, we're gonna put a, uh, take off our uh, well, maybe keep half the hockey hat on, but we're also gonna put our uh, movie critique hats on here, and we're gonna review Slapshot. Oh God, fantastic! That's great, awesome. So I mean, if you're probably listening to this, you guys know what Slapshot is. It was 1997. Uh, 1997. Ni- 1977. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Slapshot made in 1977. Directed by George Roy Hill. Written by Nancy Dowd. And uh, Paul Newman stars in it. And actually, our, um, our interview with uh, Mike kind of gave us this idea. Because his favorite interview that he ever did was with Paul Newman. Yeah. So, 
thought, hey, let's let's talk about it. So basically, the premise is, you know, a failing hockey team gains notoriety and mega success by just total violent goonery. The Hansons. Yeah, the, the, Hansons, the, Hansons, the Hansons brothers. brothers, and I mean, uh, I, not the ones that you all probably know. Playing the keyboards and the drums and the guitars. Oh, Jesus Christ, really? No, there's people, I say the Hanson Brothers, and they're just like, you mean the, the music guys, right? No, uh, Slapshot, come uh, on, no. One not, put I, foil on their hands, uh, yeah. the other went platinum. Yeah, <laughs> one put the foils on, the other one just did mbop. So. Other ones bopped you, they went mbop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. This is already going so well. Yeah, I'm so glad we decided to do this segment now. Uh, so, but. I mean, obviously, uh, back in the day, I mean, especially in the 70s, with the Broad Street Bullies and stuff like that, I mean, hockey was extremely violent i mean it's still not the least violent thing out there but i mean this was basically back when bench clearing brawls were the uh the end thing to do in hockey i mean uh rodney dangerfield really said it right like uh you know i went to the fights the other night and a hockey game broke out yeah you know so and (laughs) that's true and this well i mean slapshot fully Fully uh, personifies that. Eighteen like, grades to violence. <laughs> it's a. I love that movie because not only does it do, it tries to do a good job of paying tribute to like that era of hockey, yeah. but also from the vantage point of like semi-pro hockey, of like the the other league trying to compete as a pro league during like the NHL WHA merger. All of these like other leagues trying to recognize that they can have maybe a couple good teams in big cities and intentionally have teams in not money making cities just to bring a different brand of hockey and entertainment to a city. Can afford to have a pro team there, you know what you have there is your minor league teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well and and some of those would just go by the wayside, not to interrupt you there again, Dano. Because like totally like that's basically what it depicts. It's like in an old sawmill town, like yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and during the movie they talk about how they're in this town that's failing. Plus, they're thinking about moving the team to Florida. That falls through, and then they end up going to Minneapolis or something? Uh, no. No, uh, uh, he Reg Dunlop gets uh, hired on as a coach in Minneapolis. Okay, and, and this is, this is exactly what would happen in one season in like that era of the WHA or NHL and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You'd have these teams that would move and then fold like only a year later. Oh, yeah. And just would go and try somewhere else. And uh, I always I always love that movie because, like, there's just so many good vignettes or, or parts of hockey that are being explained in that era to you. But you don't understand any of that shit because you're an 8-year-old on a bus and you're going to some <laughs> hockey tournament and it's the only fucking movie that you watch every fucking road trip you go on. First time, <laughs> first time you saw boobies, yes? Oh, totally. Okay, all right. It was, it was, if it wasn't, it was Animal House, but I'm pretty sure it was Slapshot. Uh, it had to be Slapshot, for sure. Mine was either sure. Slapshot, Animal House, or, uh, oh, God, what was the other one? Porky's? Yes. Porky's. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, 
I love this movie not not for only the nudity and breaking me into that. Oh God! Uh, out of that innocence, any nudity, but um, just like the the guy, <laughs> just the whole movie is set so well. Like there's a French guy on the team that's trying to explain hockey to there's, you. It's like you go to the th- box and you feel shame. Oh, there's God. so many yeah. quotable things, but then there's also the stereotypical French Canadian who doesn't speak any English and is just there and thinks this is like the show and yeah. has no idea. He's like the best of a crappy team and stuff like that. And you have the guy who can speak French Canadian to the other Oh guy. yeah. <laughs> And like the 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 way the hockey wives dress to go to the games and like are in their fur coats, yep. yeah. And uh, some of them completely care and go all to the nines, and others don't even want to be seen there. Yeah, it's like, so great. It's and, and they're also playing with with that helmet. It just shows like you know again they tell about the era of the sport, and I also like how at the end of the day they're just like. People think that hockey is all about just fighting, right? And, you know, that's that's what the sport is. And so if you're a viewer who just doesn't know hockey is, and that's what it is, but at the same time, if you're a really hockey player, you can also get those real undertones in the reality of like, oh, yeah, that's kind of hockey at some point, too. I understand exactly what that's like. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's as, yeah, Dano talked on that that was like the era of that. You had the Broad Street Bullies. Yeah. Going 75 to 76. I think 76. that was me, but okay. Or was that <laughs> one of you guys? I know that you've talked about Philadelphia. It's okay for ones, you to but... think all the good points come from me. Oh, wow. And it's all right, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but no, it's... Yeah, you got the Broad Street Bullies and all that stuff, and that's what it touches on. And hockey's not like that anymore, to a point I wish it was. But it's... it's it's cool though that they just kind of like overdo all the character elements oh, yeah. of that story and like Ogie Oglethorpe. What a name. Oglethorpe. Oh my gosh. Dude, and, that guy's got a caterpillar for an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and you know, for hockey fans out there, this is not the movie you watch to have like a feel good hockey story to motivate your team before you go out and play in the championships or, or with you your appreciate for, or your kids <laughs> truth or like the one you appreciate for like all the on ice cinematography there's barely any of that yeah. and it's all about locker room banter and like all of the stupid behind the scenes stuff that you like even to this day are like more relatable uh, and i think exactly. one of my favorite ones is just like the if anyone body checks me into the boards i'm gonna piss myself because i'm drunk <laughs> and it's yeah, like it's who the just... hell would ever come to a game under those conditions and now that i play beer league adult league hockey i'm like yep i uh, can yep. totally <laughs> see that yep. i know five of them from yeah. that yeah. so like so man, it's timeless we drink beer too <laughs> and yeah, it is. It really is timeless. And I mean, you know, some of that stuff really just kind of, it just stays in hockey. I mean, maybe some of the bench clearing brawls have kind of gone, gone the way of uh, yesterday. But I mean, you still got that, you, you know, you got this weird, almost uh, uh, like total brothership in the locker room and stuff. And uh, all you guys are doing is basically just chirping the shit out of each other, you know, uh, ogling broads and, you know, drinking on the bus. When you're watching Goon, every time they're in a bar, 
it makes you think of Slapshot. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's very well redone in that movie. Yeah. And, uh, and I, even in Goon 2. Like, yeah. I did not like any of the Slapshot remakes. Yeah, by the way, how many were there? Like four? Yeah. There was three. There was three, I think. You know your franchise is successful when eventually a Baldwin gets in, a, in one of in your movies. That was the Depends on which Baldwin is. Yeah, that's true. This, one, this was Stephen Baldwin, so it's not Alec. Oh, the very same who played Barney Rubble in the yeah. Flintstones. <laughs> I've, I've had a habit or two. I've had a habit or two. Yabba right. dabba don't, man. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean straight to DVD. By the way, <laughs> both, both of them, the second and third one. But no, yeah, there's I liked how still Goon Two touched on that, which we will touch on both of those here later on, yeah. folks. But no, Slapshot, it's a slapstick, just amazing comedy that just shows like the nitty gritty ins and outs of like old school hockey mm-hmm. and th- no we sometimes did... personal life is a hockey player <laughs> yeah, yeah well... uh, allegedly allegedly <laughs> but hey i'm gonna say my life is like a movie <laughs> <laughs> how's it going so far pretty great <laughs> i'm is at it, the i'm at the stage dr- where will ferrell's and everything must go is it <laughs> Is it so? It's a drama. It's a dramedy. Yeah, it's a like dr- uh, it's like the movie The Breakup. A comedic drama. It's like everything <laughs> must go. Will Ferrell. There you go. Well, <laughs> the the thing the thing about Slapshot too, which I mean, which actually brings a lot of authenticity to it, is that the Nancy Dowd who wrote it, mm. she actually wrote it to be like a uh, like a documentary about uh, minor league hockey back then. Because her brother Shut Ned, up. her Ned, Dow, her brother uh, Ned Dowd was actually um, a minor league hockey player, and so I mean one of the lead, uh, the lead characters Ned is named after her brother, and yeah, she wanted it, she wanted it to be like a documentary, but uh, George Roy Hill actually said no, let's just make this a, like you know a raunchy ass comedy, and I think it will still be great, and we have. <laughs> We have Slapshot now. No, that's one of the biggest cult classics in the hockey community. Like, and you, everybody can agree. Like, oh yeah, it's a cult classic. Just the original one. Everything else, just throw it out. It's like after Godfather Two. <laughs> <laughs> you just go with the one with the slap shot. You, that's it. Here's a fair thing. I think most people would say about Slapshot is like, oh. You want to like binge hockey movies for a day? Start with Slapshot. Oh yeah. You don't, you know, like that's that's probably where you should start, not somewhere else. Start with that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, not Mighty Ducks. Start with Slapshot. Well, even in minor leagues now, I mean, Slapshot is still seen as like the Bible. Oh, definitely. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, it's pretty imperative that you start right what right where. You know, yeah. Where? Oh God! How do I want to say this? Basically, from the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, I mean, and it's cool. I, and uh, uh, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux was an extra. No shit. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was an extra. He played uh, on the Hyannisport Presidents number seven. That is amazing. Yeah, because he was playing for the Johnstown Jets, where uh, which they got, is where they got okay. like all oh. like the actors and stuff. That makes sense. Yeah, a little bit. And I mean, yeah, I, you, like you know, uh, the the Hanson brothers all played for the Johnstown Jets. 
and uh, um, uh, except for um, uh, except for Jack, there were there are actually three Carlson brothers, but okay. he actually got called up to play for the Edmonton Oilers while they were filming. Yep. Wow. Oh. And he also so they that. got so they got the guy that who was originally going to play Dave the Killer. Uh huh. Killer. He's the third Hanson brother. Oh, neat. Yeah. Which, ironically, is the only one actually named Hanson. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, mean, yeah, Jeff. David Hanson. Oh, David Hanson. Jeff yeah, Carlson and Steve Carlson. Yeah. But also, did you know that Jeff Carlson, when he went up to the Oilers, played or stayed with Wayne Gretzky in his, like, was his roommate? Oh, neat. Yeah. And he also went on to play, what was it, I think it was two seasons with the LA Kings. Like when Gretzky went too? I or don't just... know on that, but he played 14 years semi-pro and pro. That's pretty cool. So. I mean, yeah, I, from, th- I think it's kind of cool. Like, from putting on the foil to being Gretzky's roommate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah really, yeah. straight up. <laughs> Like straight up, like in the means of it, like oh. what, he wouldn't have to hit that machine for his quarterback anymore. Oh god! Fucking machine for my quarterback. <laughs> hey boys, boys, see, boys! Look at I got Gretzky's it. Skinny ass, like oh my god! Don't worry about it. What if when he got to the room with Gretzky, he pulled out his like. Uh, briefcase or his luggage, and he had the train set in there. Still. Oh yeah, <laughs> that slot cars that he had. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Like if Gretzky's like, "Holy yeah. shit, it's for real!" Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't part of the movie. <laughs> Racing his slot cars and stuff like that around. Holy wow. hell! So, boys, uh, let's do rating. Let's 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 rate this one. Okay. Um, uh, let's go around, just rate it real quick. Uh, what, what do you give Slapshot here, there, oh, Ross? God, I'd have to give. Let's it a, go. Let's go uh, out of five. I'm gonna give it a solid five. I chuckle. I haven't watched that movie in forever, and I rewatched it last night, and it was just. <laughs> it was just a hoot and holler. I know it's a hoot nanny. It was a hoot nanny, but no, it was great. Yeah, there's comedic. There's a comedic aspect to it. And that I enjoyed, and an actual real life aspect to it that was right. awesome. And I mean, that as I said, was hockey back in the day. And I mean, yeah, got the Hanson brothers. Ooh. Yep, there we yeah. go. Yeah, well, and also, I loved with the movie how they just start hooting and hollering like whenever the coach would like just chirp up. Oh, yeah, oh, that. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, boys, here we go. Here we go. Yep, let's go. Let's get on the ice. Yeah, let's get pucks deep. Yeah, all right, boys. Because you know, all, all of you guys know one of those people that was on your team. That was me. That was me. <laughs> Definitely. All right, all right, Daniel. What do you got? I'll give it uh, three and a half pucks out of five. There you go. Okay. Oh, wow. Because it's. It it I can it's one of those movies I can turn on at any point in the movie and I just absolutely start loving it again. But it's I, I did say timeless a little earlier. It it does have some toxic masculinity verbiage in there. Oh, and, just a little uh, bit. And, and it also isn't like fantastic story or anything. Yeah. You're just you know you love this movie because you're a hockey fan and you wouldn't if you're not. So yeah. Uh, it doesn't have like a lot of standing power overall outside of the hockey community. Not that 
I really care about that. I just know that like that movie was everything for me and I'm so happy I saw it. Um, and the reason it's just a little lower is because I have other favorite hockey movies that I look forward to talking about with you guys. Yeah. Um, I'm around the same track as Daniel here. I'm going to give it a three out of five pucks. Um, you know, just because it is a great movie. It has a lot of emotion. It talks, you know, a little bit about personal life in hockey, you know, maybe at a high level, very high level. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's it's a good emotional movie, not something you watch with your family or anything like that. But, you know, I think, you oh, know, certain other movies like, you know, Miracle or maybe Youngblood or something like that with, like, more story behind it, uh, I think I think I would put in front of that. But I really do think that, you know, three stars for this movie, if you're a good hockey player, you should watch it. You have to watch it. It's one of those things. Like, oh, yeah. Sandline, if you're a baseball player, you have to watch Sandline. If you're a hockey player, sure. you have to watch Slapshot. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go three pucks as well. Uh, oh just, my god, am I the only one that's gonna do five? Oh, uh, you got real hard on those pucks, bud. No, dude. Well, you always got to be hard on pucks, though. So, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go three pucks. I mean, the acting, <laughs> it's it's subpar uh, part. To, well, like at at it at its best. That's zero goals with no right. assists, right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't say it's Oscar worthy. <laughs> It was actually like nominated for some awards. I don't remember, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go three punks. I mean, the acting. Well, it's like you know, like stereotypical '70s acting. Paul, like Paul Newman was like really the only huge star in it, so everybody else was just like you know minor leaguers, just basically told to be on on screen and you know say fucking lines so i mean you kind of lose it there but i i also agree that there are way better hockey movies that i i I, i'm really excited about talking about so i'm gonna go three uh three pucks well and one thing i did love about watching this movie is i told my mom what i was watching and all of a sudden she goes wait that has paul newman in it i was like the you salad you, man himself. Yeah, yeah, you bet your ass. And she's just like, all right, enjoy that. And so, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's a, uh, that's the show, boys. Uh, it, let's uh, let's do some shout outs, and I think we can uh, sign this one off, eh? All righty. Uh, so shout out to uh, My Beer Nation, and also shout out to any hockey fans out there, um, anybody who is willing and more willing to um, come on the podcast and who listens, definitely give a shout out to us as well. Yeah. Daniel? I'm going to give a shout out to my dog, Sirius, who's been with us here. You might have been hearing that ruffle in the background. That's not Ross going for another beer. That's my dog. Yeah, <laughs> and, Even though I'm hairy enough to be your dog. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for you, Ross. I picked on you more than I, I did Bryce this episode. Yeah, it, it was... <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> um, also, shout out to My Beer Nation. Also, uh, Dog Nation's doing a charity event tonight. Um, we're big supporters of Dog Nation Hockey Foundation. And uh, big shout out to Doc Emmerich again. We're all very thankful Thank for you, Doc. everything you've done. And also, I just want to give a big shout out to the uh, sled hockey community. Um, the day that this airs is a day that uh, there's some sled hockey going on in Colorado. And it's kind of interesting. We'd love to be there. I think we're going to make it a point of getting there. Um, but it just goes into what we've been talking about with accessibility to the sport of hockey. 
uh, it just became a little difficult for us to get there with the time that we were given, with the support that we had. Uh, doesn't mean we won't do it, uh, but a big shout out to that sled hockey community. We're looking forward to getting on the ice with you at some point. And to and, Pierce, Grand and, and to for Pierce. bringing that up. Yeah, and, and, and so... Big shout out to uh, that part of the hockey community, and um, thank you to all our listeners. And yeah, I mean, I just give a shout out to everybody here, my beer nation. I mean, if it wasn't for all you and you know what Dan the man does, we wouldn't be able to have this. Um, even you, serious? I mean, we can do this. I'm kidding, but uh, no, um, and. Yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my coworkers' family. They're just been stricken with Corona, and he's about all. I think it was like two or three of his family members are in the hospital. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, swift and safe recovery there. Yeah. So yeah, um, I just hope for that, and just keep on keeping on i guess as joe dirt says <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I just want to thank all the listeners i want to thank i mean um i want to say congratulations and thank you to doc emmerich and uh i also want to say thank you to uh clappercast media nice, uh, yeah. 131 podcast uh sports bliss with rob and chris absolutely and the hockey minute they they're all they're big supporters uh we're all kind of a nice tight-knit group and i i really like seeing what every what they're doing every week oh and side of ranch don't forget side of ranch never can sor <laughs> i got you guys i got you what the hell is side of ranch it, oh you're missing out man. oh yeah buddy it's 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 great you well, all of you are missing out if you don't uh listen to Check any out of these the podcasts so i just want to say thank you to all of them they're um you know great friends and uh thank you to you guys so uh vihorsh Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Salut.